Hey, Bible Love listeners. Hope everyone is having a fabulous week. Um, it is July 8th. I'm still in Tennessee. This <laughs> the never ending vacation, right, Alan? Yep. My people from the Church of the Resurrection, so kind. And Alan, if you're watching this on video, there's nothing in his office. It's so sad. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. He's packing up and heading out. So you'll be recording from Texas. Yeah, I'll be live from somewhere in Texas. We, um, the Packers are at our house right now. The movers come tomorrow. And then half my family leaves Saturday and the other half leaves Monday morning. Godspeed, my friend. Thank you. We thought we would start out with um, something that we hope you know about, but some people don't. Um, Daily Devotions for Individuals and Families. This is on page 137 of the Book of Common Prayer. This is from Psalm 51. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. This is a reading from 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we'll finish from with this collect. Lord God, almighty and everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So I think it's fitting that you did that, um, the prayers for families, Mary Balfour. I don't know if you knew this, but after Hurricane Harvey, I served a church in Houston that went through Harvey and we were flooded out of the church and and all of that. We started, uh, the rector, Beth Thane, and I started praying. Um, We were doing all the daily devotions, you know, morning, noon, night, Compline, all of that for the first week or two. But then we started just doing... um, prayers for the morning and prayers for the evening from devotions for families. Mm-hmm. And for however many years, four years later, um, it's still going on at that parish. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I still, up until about a year ago, I still led on Monday mornings um, because it's now grown beyond. I'll link to it's Episcopal worship to anchor your day. I'll oh, link to it. Yeah. yeah. Folks can go and on Facebook every morning and every night you'll get someone from St. Mary's or someone connected to that community from around the country um, praying those prayers. What a gift that came out of the storm, right? Yeah, and, out absolutely. Of the church and out of the, and all of that. And I, I think sometimes, you know, we always have to make time for God. That's just part of who we are and what we need to do. But I think sometimes like 
we've got kids or we've got this or that and our days are just so fast and moving. And um, I, I don't even know why I got out the prayer book because I have this memorized. I do this every morning, but um, I think it's just a wonderful way to start your day. And it, it takes literally what, two minutes. I was kind of watching the recording two minutes and just inviting God into our lives. And I'm so glad that that's still happening there. I think that is like, one of the gifts that probably came out of that and God is always there. We just have to look hard for it. Right. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So what's happening today, my friend in South Carolina. It is still slowly trudging through numbers. We are in the wilderness. Um, we're in the wilderness and we're going to be in the wilderness for a long time. And it, we joked about this when we were on before, but Mary Balfour and I aren't really sure how we're going to, talk about the wilderness for the next several weeks because not a lot is different. There's a couple key pieces and the parts we hope to get to today that hopefully we can pull something out of, but, but we're taking off from Sinai. Um, and that's the yeah. key to today we're, the journey is happening. It's starting yeah. today. We've been preparing and preparing and preparing and we're actually using our feet and moving today. Yeah, which seems like good timing. I've been preparing and preparing for my move. There's people at my house preparing, and this weekend it's starting. Yeah. There's not going to be a cloud by day and fire by night, but. Um, and you don't actually have to walk to Texas. I don't. That you would take a long time. Get in a car and go. But that is an interesting parallel. And I mean, I've been thinking about that too. Just some wilderness. I had a really hard day yesterday with a parishioner and. You know, how do we get comfort, com be comfortable in the wilderness? You know, it's not always going to be fantastic and wonderful. I mean, for you, Alan, this is an exciting time in your life, but there's also, it's stressful. It's, you know, carpet cleaners and children and new schools and new houses and unpacking. You know, I'm walking through this situation with a prisoner whose young daughter died. You know, I mean, there is a lot of wilderness moments. But I also feel like God is, that's like where we grow closer to God is in those wilderness moments. I mean, I'm sure your prayer life is just like real fruitful right now. Mine is, you know, like I'm like, just get me through this today, Lord. I mean, do you see that and feel that? Yeah. Um, moving is stressful. It's, we've never moved with a teenager and a preteen before. Mm -hmm. Um our kids have been young. We moved a bunch. Our kids are about to go to like their fourth or fifth school or whatever. Right. But they've been younger. Right. Um, and, easier. Right. and so now we have the added stress of we're the worst parents in the world. And, and coupled with all of that, like we're moving because we're going to help aging parents and we're going home and all of this. And our kids get that. But at the same time, it's a lot, it, it feels a lot more stressful this time. And, right. and, there's just a lot to get done. Like we're, if anyone out there is looking for a trampoline, every way we've tried to get rid of this trampoline has fallen through. And so I got like three days for someone to come get a trampoline from my house, you know, so it's little things like every little thing just seems yeah. like a big thing. Um, that's kind of what's been happening in numbers, right? Like yeah. it's there. They, we've done so much preparing and preparing and preparing. And now it's time to actually go, on the journey and they're going to be hiccups along the way. Like yeah. Alan, I hope nothing bad happens because I know you serviced your car, but like 
you know, junk happens, you know, like I feel sure something will happen, you know, but I'm going to pray through it. I'm going to pray through it the whole way. But something, you know, and that's what happens in numbers today, right? Yeah. So let's get to it. Yeah. So we'll pick up in nine. The second half of nine is kind of where we left off. And this is nine uh, starting in verse 15. On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant. And from evening until morning, it was over the tabernacle, having the appearance of fire. It was always so. The cloud covered it by day and fire by night. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, then the Israelites would set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, the Israelites would camp. At the command of the Lord, the Israelites would set out. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they would remain in the camp. And it goes on and it talks about like their journey was a series of, of fits and starts kind of based on where this cloud would go and when the fire would start and and all of that. And and for me, you know, as someone who's just gone through some discernment about where I think God is leading me and leading our family, mm-hmm. I wish there was a cloud yeah. that would tell us. That would have been a lot easier. Like when I'm meeting with congregations and trying to figure out where is God calling me to serve or working with a realtor trying to figure out where we want to live. The cloud would be really nice in those situations. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, Alan gave me the privilege of kind of walking through some of his discernment with him when we were, you know, different churches, you were interviewing and thinking, and I got to pray with you and think about that. But we said several times, God, why is there not this cloud that just tells us exactly what we're supposed to do in this time period? You know, and in the end, it did. It, the cloud did show up, but it just maybe didn't come as fast as you wanted it to come, right? And I think that we could see that in all parts of our lives, right? We want those signs. We want those clear, this is exactly what we're supposed to do, that the, that the people of Numbers had the privilege of, of having. I'm je- a little bit jealous of them, right, like you were saying. Um, but they do eventually come. It just is not always in our own time period. Right? And even here, like we go down further on like 22, to verse 22, it says whether it was two days or a month or longer. Right. The cloud continued. And so even they didn't know, like they couldn't really get into a pattern of they'll go and camp for this long and then keep going. Some days they had to sit and wait. Right. There's probably a lot of sitting and waiting, which is yeah, which gets was- into they start complaining again, right? Like all of Exodus, they complain, the Israelites and all of that. And then we have this time where they're just too busy setting things up and whatever. We don't get a lot of complaining. But now that they're moving again, now that they're waiting again, they start complaining again. Well, and why why, why is that waiting so hard for us? Why is it? I mean, it was hard for them. It's hard for us now in 2021 where we just, and sometimes I feel like the waiting when I look back on it was like some of my best time with God and some of my best, like really intense prayer. But I, it is frustrating where you're just like, I got, I just got to sit here, you know, and then we're people of product, productivity, right? So we're like always like, well, I got to do something else. I got to do something else. Y'all listeners, y'all know Alan and I are both very type A. So we're like creating stuff and, you know, and not that we shouldn't create but it probably would be a good thing for us to sit and wait a little bit too. I mean, yeah. it wouldn't hurt us you know, <laughs> to just wait and feel the spirit, feel God coming into our, our every breath, who we are as people. Um, because I think it's just easy to just skip right over that sometimes. 
Yeah, and I, you know, you think about these folks are in the wilderness, so they're in the desolate place, right? They don't know what's ahead of them. And so if they just pick up day after day and keep walking, are they going to walk into a band of robbers? Are they going to walk into bad weather? Are they going to walk into some unknown? And is this waiting? Is God forcing them to be still, saving them from themselves? Just yeah. like the times when we're forced to stand still. Is God protecting us from something we can't even foresee? I think that's so true. I have one specific example of that in my life. Um, you know, I've kind of told my discernment story, but one thing I always kind of leave out is um, I went to see the bishop and he said, you need to wait a year. And that was so hard. It was so hard because I was so ready. And I can look back on that now and I needed to go back to school and get some, you know, some better education because I didn't, I didn't do much at Mississippi State University at 18 years old. I needed to take some English classes and philosophy and that kind of thing. But also there was a huge group of people going through from the Diocese of Alabama. And I didn't know that. And they wanted to only send a couple of years so that everybody could have jobs. So I think God and the bishop were sort of protecting me because he wanted me to be a priest and didn't want me to just get cut out because there was a lot of people going through. Right. But that one year of waiting was so incredibly hard. And I look back on it now and I thank God for it. I needed that year. But in that moment, we can't see that. Right. We just can't. And to have the bishop look at you and say, you need to wait a year. I mean, it just breaks your heart, you know, but I thank God for that. And God, God spoke to the bishop and said, do this for her. She needs it. Um, and I'm sure you have some examples of that too, where we just had to sit on our hands and wait. Yeah. And it's hard because, because we, I feel like waiting, being forced to wait is keeping me from what I want. Right. It's keeping me from something. I think about my kids, right? Like I'm not worried about my kids running into traffic anymore, really. But that used, right? Kids, when they want something, they take off and they go. And it takes someone who has a bigger sense of the world, which a parent likely does, to hear something coming around the corner. And you sometimes physically grab that kid and keep him from running into the middle of the street. Yeah. God has a bigger sense of what's going on around us. And so when we just want to run straight into the street of whatever ordination, moving to Texas, whatever it is, sometimes God grabs us by the shirt. And no matter how ticked off we get because we can't do the thing we want, God has a bigger picture in mind. And he knows, God knows what we can't even fathom. Yeah, I think that's so true. But dang, that humanness of us just doesn't want to, you know. I totally, I'm with you. So it, it's comforting that the folks in Numbers had to do this same thing, that this waiting game has been going on for a long, long, long time. Yeah. And even, you know, we keep going. A lot of it's the same. You keep going through and in the midst of the complaining, in the midst of the waiting, God's still providing. There's manna. Again, we've talked about the manna being provided. They don't always like that. And you're, and they, you're really in 10, right, Alan? Yeah, that moves on to 10 and then even 11. And, it, you know, God starts giving them recipes about how to make cakes out of the manna. Interesting. Did you know God was a baker? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think God was really trying to prepare them 
in every way. And we've talked about this so much. And sometimes it does feel like, oh, we're still preparing. We're still preparing. But I mean, what really what a gift God was giving them. I want you to be completely okay when you get on this journey. You know, I want you to have everything you need. Yet I know you're going to fail. Even, you know, I mean, that's just sort of an interesting dynamic, you know, I mean, think about Alan, when y'all are packing up your cars and getting, getting ready to go to Texas, you know, I made Alan a, um, a play, a playlist for the trip to Texas. I think it's going to get him out of South Carolina and that might be it, but you got your music, you got your snacks, you got your drinks, you got your gas full of car, you know, your car's full of gas. You're, you told me that you've gotten your car service. You're ready to get right. That's where these folks are too. God's doing all that, setting all that up. But something's going to happen on that trip. You know, um, whether it's a funny moment or a hard moment or whatever, you're, you might be calling me and being like, why didn't you make my playlist longer? You know, something is going to happen. And that's exactly what's happening here in numbers. Right. And then they get through and then, one thing I found interesting is when we get to 12, here we have um, Miriam and Aaron. Miriam and Aaron. And I don't know if it's jealousy. I don't know if it's frustration. I don't know what it is, but, but they come. You know, Aaron and Moses have been together for a long time. Right. They've been working together and they've had roles. And Miriam comes around and, and is in a leadership position as well. And, and they come up to Moses and because he married a Cushite woman, because he married a foreigner. Then it says, they said, Aaron and Miriam say, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Mm. So like from the beginning, right? Like Aaron should have known kind of his, his role. Moses was the person to whom and through whom God spoke. And Aaron was to help get that to the people. And, and there were defined roles. But even here, there starts to be. Moses hears from God. We don't. We have to wait. We have to eat what God provides. We don't get, we don't have agency, maybe. I don't know what it is. Or, and trust Moses that, yeah, that it's like, that. that it's actually not just Moses' head, that it's actually God speaking through Moses. That's a lot of trust. Yeah. And isn't that how people are? Like, we all want to have some of that authority. We all want to feel. I, I would make sense to me that it was jealousy of just even that Moses is the one that gets to be in conversation with God. Right. Yeah. Um, why don't I get to be that person? Why don't I get to, you know, I mean, I could totally relate to that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we have a different understanding now on the other side of Jesus, like right. Dr. Tony said, we all have access. We all can approach and have conversation with God and we all hear from God. But, not everyone gets to stand up on Sunday morning and preach, right? And so like you and I are privileged to stand up and proclaim what we feel God is saying to the people. How do folks trust that? How do the folks at Resurrection trust that, that what you're saying is what you feel God wants you to say and not just Mary Balfour's top 10 tips for whatever? How are the folks at St. Martin's when I'm brand new that first August 1st, when I step into the pulpit, I'm not going to know these folks. They're not going to know me, but they're going to trust that I'm sharing what I feel God is saying. That doesn't discount at all what God says to folks individually. But well, there is still a place where folks have to trust 
leaders who have been set apart to help share what God's saying to the community. Well, and I think that's God working through those people to trust you, right? Um, Or to trust me. Um, And and we'll make mistakes and all of that. Um, But, you know, I I look at, I think about the people of St. Martin's and Keller who have put so much trust in God to have a new rector, right? And you're getting an awesome one, but they don't really know you. They don't. And and the next year is going to be about getting to know you and Elizabeth and Walker and Ford. And, but they are, God is giving them the capacity to trust that there may be spaces that are uncomfortable and not great, but giving that capacity. And that same thing happened to me at church of the resurrection. They didn't really know me. I mean, there were some connections, but not a lot. I think God gave them the capacity to trust that I would hold them up in the best way that I could and gave me the capacity to love people I didn't know. Yeah. Right. And God's going to give you that, too. You don't know them, but you're going to walk in loving them. And yeah. that's what happened probably here, too. You know, Miriam and Aaron are looking for authority, but they were having to really trust that God was working through Moses. And and people are people. Right. But sometimes that's just dang hard. So, I mean, that's probably what happened. Absolutely. And. And I think in that relationships are hard in general. And when there's a relationship like this, where there is a leadership component, the trust is hard. I, it is interesting that um, there are some folks at St. Martin's um, who are very good friends with my college roommate. And so, <laughs> yeah, Alan. <laughs> yeah, they maybe know some stuff that, we might not want everyone to know, but no. That's hilarious. No, it's great. And so they actually called my college roommate who sure. I am good friends with, and we were in ministry together. We were not wild and crazy. But there are these connections that, that sometimes we, as we get to know folks, we'll know too much about. But yeah. we still trust that knuckleheaded 18-year-old Alan has matured into something else. And Mary Balfour is not the sum of bad decisions she made and, and yeah. folks that not the 18 year old mistake, crazy girl who no. loves drinking and kissing and boys. Do, and so like, you know, and then God goes on and responds um, through Moses to Aaron and Miriam. And I love what he says. Yeah. He said, I, the Lord make myself known to them in visions or it's when there are prophets among you, I, the Lord make myself known to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams not so with my servant Moses. He is entrusted with all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Mm. You know, talking about, I'm jealous of that. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like, like I go to Paul, and where Paul says, you know, now we see, but in a mirror dimly. Uh huh. But someday we'll see face to face. Like, that's what I hear here. Is totally- Moses somehow is able to see face to face. Moses somehow is able to converse with God. I would love that. I know. And uh, right. And I agree with you. I'd love that too. But what we do have is getting to converse with God through other people and the way that we love them. And that's, that's what Jesus gave us on the other side of Jesus, which is so beautiful. I mean, there have been many moments in my life. I, I have a really good friend who's here right now visiting 
And I mean, I just saw the face of Jesus in her yesterday and I was just so grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I'm agree with you. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? But we get, here's the good news, Alan. We get to do it one day. Yeah. We're in heaven and I'm great. I can't wait for that. I mean, I don't want it to happen tomorrow when it's time. There's nothing that makes me afraid about that because I know I'll be with God. And that is the, it's the biggest smile on my face. Um, and makes me happy. Um, so what we, I mean, that's kind of it for today, right? I mean, we got through. Yeah, it goes on and, and they send some spies out to go look at this. Let's not forget the spies. Yeah, they send these spies out, right? The sacrificial lambs that they know they're coming upon some kind of settlement. And they're like, we're not all going to go. We're going to send you two folks out so that y'all can maybe die. And they go and they come back and this, it's the Nephilim. Right. And the Nephilim become like in some in some areas of the church, the Nephilim become like this thing that's larger than life because they report that they're giants. And so are they giants like seven feet tall people or or are they giant giant like another species type? So they come back. Yeah. And this is where the language of a land flowing with milk and honey comes from. I mean, that's biblical language we all know it comes from right here the spies found this land flowing with milk and honey but it's guarded by these scary people and so they don't know that they can go there's some hesitation they've hit a roadblock they've been following this cloud they've been following the fire and now they found a place where they feel called to go but there's something in the way right which is going to always happen right we've already talked about that um and so what do you do? Trust God. That's yeah. all I know. Um, Alan, I've been, I'm thinking about my question and I think for me, it's going to be really appreciating the waiting and noticing the waiting and that that's not a negative thing. Yeah. Um, I'm also this week, sending a ton of big old prayers and love around those two cars that are traveling to Texas. That's precious cargo that we need to get there safely. And um, I know all the Bible love listeners are doing that. So next week you'll be in Texas and I'll be back in South Carolina, but here's the beauty. Bible love keeps going on, which is so good. What's your thought for this week? Mine, I think will be around hearing God. How do I, hear God and know or not know because I don't know that you can be certain but trust Mm -hmm. how do I trust that what I'm hearing is from God and not just my subconscious desires really hard stuff but good really really good okay another great week enjoyed it and next week we have a guest Nicholas Beasley is going to be joining us I'm excited about that former rector of Church of the Resurrection and now both Alan and I's friend and um, we're excited about that Um, we hope everybody has a great week remember that we love you but most importantly God does 